I'm Father Dennis Strack. And I'm Katie Prejean McGrady. And this is Ave Spotlight. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining <laughs> us on Spotlight. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So I recognize your background because you do Facebook Lives from that little area. I have done them, yeah. For Ave, tell us a little bit about what you do for Ave Maria Press and who you are. Sure. I'm an acquisitions editor primarily. And so that means um, we publish books, but we don't publish anything unless acquisitions editors go out and get them. So we, uh, you know, those of us who are in that that, uh, strain of editing, Uh, are always hunting for new authors and new voices and fresh ways of presenting the the essentials of the faith and um, and just, you know, new things to kind of draw people uh, closer to Christ. So uh, authors, presentations of material, and it's a lot of fun. We get to be extroverts. And what are you normally looking for? Like, what do you like to publish? I like to publish papal things. It's sort of a (laughs) It's, it's sort of a thing, right? You know, uh, dead popes and living ones, both. Uh, but I also, I, I really like to um, present the traditions of the church in a fresh way. So if it's something that you've been used to seeing your whole life, like a crucifix in a church, then I love something that would present that crucifix in a way that would change how you see it the next time you walk into your parish. So that's, that's the kind of thing I like to do. And Jamie, this month you're coming out with a new book, uh, Christ in the Storm. Um, yeah. An extraordinary blessing for a suffering world. And I wanted to ask you just a little bit about that. Um, the, the really inspiration for that book really takes place a couple months prior to where we're at now this year, March 27th, in St. Peter's Square, when um, our Holy Father did an extraordinary Orbi at Orbi blessing um, for the world. Maybe just take us back. Um, and in your own experience, watching right. prayer, watching that liturgy, um, I mean, most of us can remember those iconic pictures, the, yeah. the square is empty, it's, it's raining, uh, him walking uh, up to the altar, up to the doors of St. Peter's Basilica. Maybe take us back in your mind and your heart for that liturgy. What was it like for you and, and what stood out? Sure. Uh, you know, the most beautiful thing we can do when the world is suffering is to bring the world to Christ and to bring Christ to the world. And, I, and the church did that in an extraordinarily beautiful way on, on that day, on, on March 27th, 6 p.m. Rome time, as the sun is setting, right? And the clouds are there and the rain was coming down. Uh, the Holy Father extended what's usually given only on three other occasions, right? So it's usually at Christmas, at Easter, and at the election of a Pope, we get this Urbi et Orbi papal blessing. But in this event, which was billed as a moment of prayer, for the world, really, um, the Holy Father extended that papal blessing uh, in a very unique way, you know, with an empty St. Peter's Square. And I think the, the image of that will probably stay with a lot of people uh, for a long time. It's, it's kind of the iconic image, at least for Catholics, uh, for, for this whole pandemic situation. But uh, there he was alone, instead of in this, you know, pressing crowd, uh, there he was at night, instead of, you know, in in broad daylight, these things are usually given at noon. Um, And there he was not actually extending the apostolic blessing uh, as the successor of Peter, but extending the apostolic blessing through the Eucharist. So kind of taking a back seat, you know, 
uh, and drawing on all the grand traditions of devotional prayer. There was everything in that moment. And I think we turned it on live and, and watched it in, in our house. And, uh, you know, I, I was just like spellbound by what I was seeing because it was so deeply beautiful. And it touched on every element of Catholic faith. It's kind of a school of devotional prayer. You know, you've got the scriptures, you've got the Holy Father, the successor of Peter, right? You've got uh, his, his teaching, his, you know, his authoritative teaching, uh, breaking open the scriptures. You have Marian devotion. You have forgiveness of sins. You have uh, a litany of supplication, asking the Lord to, to be with us in this time. And you have this miraculous crucifix uh, to which all this history of miracle and, and, uh, and favor and grace is attached. And in great chants of the church that came from, you know, Thomas Aquinas and, and also even older than that, the oldest Marian prayer that we have, uh, that we know of chanted. And it was just, it was like a Catholic hit parade, um, you know, watching all of that unfold and the beauty of it, whoever did that service, whoever put that together was just there was nothing missing and it, there was nothing done poorly. It was just Catholicism at its best. Yeah. And, you know, in a moment when we all needed to see that, in a moment when we needed to see our church not cowering, but encouraging, mm -hmm. and when we needed to see our church present, not absent, and when we needed to see our church um, bringing forth Christ and telling the world that he's with us, even in this storm and in all storms, you know, in, in every storm, it doesn't have to be a worldwide pandemic. It can be that, you know, your car was totaled in an accident today and you've got to deal with that. Um, but that we can rely on God. He's trustworthy. And the church is there to bring us blessing, not judgment, mercy, not, you know, uh, confusion uh, and not kind of uh, scolding. Right. So mm -hmm. we we weren't scolded by the Holy Father that day. Mm -hmm. We were. Um, brought to the to the foot of the cross and to the um, you know the threshold of the blessed virgin mary to live our faith in a difficult frightening time yeah. and of course what's interesting right is that if you look at the statistics for the pandemic in italy and i'm sure you've heard this is that the height of the pandemic losses in italy uh, was were basically that day and after that prayer service, they began to, to decline mm -hmm. pretty quickly. So it's, you know, the power of prayer. Mm -hmm. And it's not that you believe that a certain crucifix is going to work miracles. It's that you believe that the God on, you know, who's, who is behind that crucifix and who is represented there in suffering, right, in suffering with humanity and solidarity with us through the incarnation is hearing us and is with us mm -hmm. and is there for us, not against us. Yeah. You kind of in in that answered my next question, which was, well, why, you know, COVID-19 is off of people's minds sometimes. Yeah. I don't know if that's good or bad because of where we are, depending on, you know, where right. you are in the country. Um, but I love what you just said about, you know, he wasn't scolding us. It wasn't a lecture on wear your mask, which you should be doing. Right. It was an invitation to like, let's trust the Lord in the midst of some of this fear. Let's Let's be humble as we approach how we can possibly walk through this this really kind of scary confusing time that was only like two weeks in I think to the shutdowns in Louisiana maybe not right. even and so I think for a lot of us it was like okay this will be over in a month and now here we are 
seven months later and we're still kind of feeling the effects of it, but yet can cling to this, what, what Abe's publishing, what he said, but also like, like you said, all of these different kind of tips and, and tricks and unpacking of like what it means to be Catholic in the midst of this storm. Right. Why, why mm-hmm. should, I mean, I'll give you a second to commercial the book. Sure. Like, somebody sure. hears this and like, hey, well, I, I'm going to go buy that. It's, it's on sale. Like what's the reason somebody needs this on their shelf, on their coffee table, pick it up and bring it to church with you and pray before mass with this, with this book. Well, you don't want this time to go to waste. Mm. And you want to take with you something that is eternal and lasting and something that is positive and can make a difference in your life, right? So it's really a school of prayer. I mean, I've used this, um, this holy hour, which is what it essentially is, as a, as a personal holy hour, mm. um, you know, many times in the process of, of creating this, this book. Um, and that it's, everything's there. And you find out kind of what you're missing in your own spiritual life, right? Uh, Maybe you're not so comfortable with that Marian devotion thing, you know? Okay, well, here it is. Let's try that. Let's, let's draw from that well too. So it's, it's really, it's really not just a commemoration, right? It's, it's sure it is a souvenir of COVID-19. Sure. If you want that, okay. I mean, your mask will be there eventually. Uh, hopefully we can all bronze them and like hang them up or burn them and have a great mass burning at the end of all this. But, um, but this book is really kind of an encapsulation mm-hmm. of faith as the church challenged us and empowered us to live it in this moment. Mm-hmm. And there are so many moments in our own lives that are not unlike this one, right? I mean, we're all, you know, you hear this, we're all in this together uh, ad nauseum, but uh, we're all in it together anyway, because we're living human life. We're living human life that's broken, that's sinful sometimes, that's uh, distracted, that's um, afraid, that's angry, um, you know, that's, that's filled with loss and grief and all of that. And it's just life. And so Christ in the storm, yeah, Christ in every storm, not just this one. Mm-hmm. I like what you're saying too. It's such an important point that uh, this is a moment moment of grace, and to the extent that we don't dive in, we're we're missing a grace that's, that's right. Being right now, um, but but even what you're getting at, I know we've talked about on previous episodes about the reality of grace in the cross, not just once it's over or not once we've solved the problem or once it's healed, but now there's something unfolding. And when, and as you brought it back to the Orbi at Orbi blessing, the the fact that the sacramental signs spoke. And it was in the emptiness, and it was in the rain, and it was in the storm. Right. Mindful of the kind of um, sacramentals and sacraments that you look at specifically in this book. Maybe what are one or two that um, maybe uh, you mentioned one of your passions is kind of um, maybe reframing it for people, these kind of common devotions or sacramental signs that we know of, but maybe we haven't thought of uh, in, in these different, in light of an event like this. Maybe one or maybe one or two, what are one or two um, sacramental signs or sacramentals that you looked at in this book that you. Uh, sure. I mean, actually, the, uh, the whole. Uh you had the Holy Father kind of, you know, in the middle between two, the two pillars of the faith, right? Mary and Jesus on the cross, right? So, and then you had that kind of meeting with the Eucharist, which was profoundly beautiful. And at the threshold of the church, not way far back inside of the altar, you know, mm-hmm. just at the doors of the church. I think some of that was really beautifully um, done as well. And fires lit, lit and, you know, the fire doesn't really go out. It's that Easter fire burns all the time, uh, even when it's not Easter, even when it's a great Lent, even when Lent lasts a year, you know, um, 
it's powerful. But I think you can't, you know, you can't understand what happened there without sort of that Mary and, and crucified Christ, those images, which were extremely powerful and also historical, right? So you have the sort of incarnational aspect of, of Catholic faith, uh, which is really where the ocean gets deep. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you're not going to hit your head on the bottom of the shallow end when you dive into the Catholic faith. And so um, that's what you see. And you see that in that Marian uh, icon, you know, the, the health and, and salvation of the people of Rome icon, right, which is what the title is called. And it's, it's kind of clouded in mystery. No one really knows when it got to Rome. I mean, there are some stories that, uh, that you know, St. Helen, the mother of the Emperor Constantine, brought it with her. There are others who say it, it appeared later in the pontificate of Gregory the Great, um, but it's been housed in the oldest uh, church in the West dedicated to Mary, you know, St. Mar Mary Major in English or Maria Maggiore, right, in Italian. And you have that image, which is no small little picture on the wall, by the way. It's, you know, three foot by five foot large. And um, there's also tradition connected to that, that it was painted by the apostle Luke, right, the, the evangelist Luke, um, on, a, on the tabletop of uh, a dining table made by the young Jesus in Joseph's carpentry shop. I mean, it's a great legend. Now, you can choose to believe those specific things or not. That's not you know, required to be a, a Catholic in good standing to believe all of that. And yet it's rich, right? And that image is powerful. It's Mary with Jesus, never separated, right? Always together, always her bringing him to us and, and to the world, right? You know, she, she, she didn't stay pregnant. She, uh, she delivered that baby and brought him to, forth to the world and then brought him forth to all of us at the cross as well. So we see that. I think that, um, that tender image of compassion and mercy is powerful when we need comfort from God. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when God um, doesn't work his will our way and uh, when he doesn't save us from things like the pandemic or things like you know, evil things in our lives, uh, sins we commit and those we suffer at the hands of others. Mm -hmm. you know, he doesn't save us from those things, but he does know how to work through those things. And, uh, and Jesus is always being brought to us by Mary. And then you have that, that uh, miraculous crucifix, which is attached to a fire uh, in a church in Rome in 1519. And then a couple years later, it's attached to a plague. You know, that was super appropriate, right? So uh, this, this crucifix was marched through the city of Rome over 16 days, um, stopping in each quarter of the city, uh, you know, for a time, uh, this elongated procession. And then at the end of that procession, the plague had disappeared. It was black death, you know? Um, we can hope that that will happen now too, this, that this plague will disappear, but it's not just this plague. And that's, that's I think, really what we want to see. Not that uh, one circumstance, you know, this is one response to one circumstance, but this is the faithful prayer um, response of every human heart to trial, to suffering, to difficulty, to struggle. And yeah, the struggle is real, and, uh, but God is even more real. And so the Holy Father brings forth the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist because the Holy Father himself standing there really isn't what the church is about. We're not 
bringing, uh, you know, bringing out, trotting out, you know, our, our, our nice little pontiff, uh, kind of dressed up like an infant of Prague, you know, in glorious uh, um, vestments uh, to trot him out and say, oh, see, the church is, is well, well and good. No, we're bringing forth the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And behind that is the, that successor of Peter and 2000 years of history holding that Jesus, not inside the church, but outside her, mm-hmm. you know, not and, and welcoming everyone in, right? It doesn't matter whether you believe now or you don't come anyway, come and see, uh, give it a try, give, uh, give Jesus a whirl, if you will, and then watch him uh, wake up in the boat of your life and calm the storms that you've been facing. Yeah, it was, it was so, it was jarring and comforting at the same time to see how alone he was yes. as he walked into St. Peter's, a, a place where we've all probably been and have, you know, so you're never alone unless you're there at the opening. And even then you're with like the most faithful pilgrims who are there to go to mass. Right. But then there was this one particular kind of camera shot where you see him from behind and you can see the uh, first responder lights in the background yes. and you can see the rain hitting the cobblestones and kind of the juxtaposition of the world and the church and he didn't I mean Pope Francis clearly he hobbles a little bit we know he he's missing half a lung like he's not he's not running marathons like he looked almost like he was kind of struggling through parts of it but I loved that because it I did too you know we're all kind of struggling through this but yet there was great hope um I mean I sat on my couch weeping (laughs) like I yeah I think most Catholics exactly. around the world just kind of say, and then I did the millennial thing and took a photo of my screen. I was like, yeah. I can never forget this moment. But that that hopefulness, you know, we always like to end our shows by asking our guests, what's a reason for your hope this week? You know, in this moment, as we're having this conversation, what's what's the reason for your hope? So Jamie, we'll, we'll start with you. If, sorry to spring it on you, but what's a reason for your hope today? Well, today is a, actually the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross. So, you know, uh, the cross is is my hope. Um, I used to, I didn't grow up Catholic. I grew up in, in the Episcopal Church and then an evangelical church and found my way home uh, last year of college. But, um, you know, my favorite hymn always was when I survey the wondrous cross. Mm. You know, love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. And it's... Um, that's a reason for hope that, you know, that Christ is crucified, that Christ knows what it is to suffer, that he was willing to do that for us and is still willing to do that in us um, and through us to suffer with us. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, you know, that's, that's reason for great hope and that these storms, they come and they go. Um, but the cross stands forever at the moment of eternity, right? Everything gathers at the cross, all time, all time past, all time future. It all gathers in that moment of sacrifice and love that is unbounded and unfailing. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's hope. That's a good reason. Father Dennis? <laughs> After this conversation, just really reflecting on the gift of the sacraments and the sacramentals in our faith, and they're multivalent, right? So you can constantly go back and find deeper meaning uh, deeper source of grace. And so, yeah, just even reflecting on uh, this event a couple months ago, back in March, um, still finding meaning there and, and grace, um, mindful that Jesus is with us. I mean, I think uh, there's an invitation for me to find hope, I think, uh, in solace and in adoration, especially in the Eucharist. Uh, after today's conversation, mindful that Jesus is with us. It's not just a sort of pat on the back, Jesus is with you, you know, carry on. Um, it, it's not a, 
uh, sort of a platitude. It's, it, it's, a, it's reality, you know, Christ himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Uh, Jamie, as you're mentioning, he's truly with us and to really ponder that at all the levels that we can in scripture and, and in these, um, and in the silence and in the rain. And what does that say? I mean, I think some, there was a commentary talking about how the rain even uh, as a sacramental sign of refreshing and, and life. And um, there's so much there to unpack. Uh, and so the multivalent kind of sacramental understanding of our faith and, and the reality of Christ present with us, especially in the Eucharist, I think is a source of hope for me this week. Yeah. I mean, mine's going to sound lame in comparison. Uh, we've got the cross, we've got the sacraments. I'm really hopeful uh, and grateful for a roof. Uh, we got our new roof uh, post hurricane Laura. So that was the storm that, you know, we were, we were facing and, um, had some really good Christian men working on our house and and they did it for a fair price. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, it's not going to rain inside my house. I have a roof. Jesus is here. Um, so, so yeah, just the practicals of like, we cling to the cross. We know we're rooted in the sacraments and we've got a roof. (laughs) Life is good. Um, Jamie, folks can find this book on Ave Maria Press. Where can we find more about you and the work that you do at Ave Maria Press? Oh, wow. You can check me out on Facebook. (laughs) Uh, My handle on Twitter is youfeedthem. And uh, I've got this little thing on the side, loavesandfishesministry.net. But when you move cross country, it kind of takes a different shape. (laughs) Well, we'll put those in the show notes along with uh, the link to the book so folks can grab it. Thanks for joining us today, Jamie. Oh, absolutely, Katie and Father Dennis. It's a pleasure. Ave Spotlight is a podcast from Ave Maria Press. You can find all of our episodes over at AveMariaPress.com. Click on the free resources button and you'll find our webpage, as well as subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Since this is a fairly new podcast, we are hopeful and, and grateful um, for reviews that our listeners will give it to help more folks find the show um, and listen to these Monday morning conversations between Uh, a priest and a mom about what's going on in the world and topics relevant to faithful everyday Catholics. You can also find our other Ave Maria Press podcast, Ave Explores, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, as well as the Ave Maria Press website. As always, we're grateful for all that you do and how you support Ave Maria Press, especially by listening to these shows that we are creating. We hope you have a great week.